Hi, and welcome to Quid Pro Quo. I'm Zach. And I'm Rin. And today we are talking about bailing faster. Uh, Rin, you were the one who suggested this topic. Explain what we mean by fail faster. So failure is like your first attempt in learning, as the saying goes. And the idea is that failure isn't a bad thing and instead leads to improved and more rapid growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about failure as part of learning, it reminds me of how computer programming is for me and why mm-hmm. I like it so much is that you get to just try over and over and over again until it actually works. And I, I like that. I like that. It, it's the way that my brain works, where if it doesn't work again, okay, let me tweak it and see if I... if I can make it work. Which is also a great way to get into a flow state. I can't Mm. remember if we've done an episode on flow before. It's in the notes, I think. Yeah, we've talked about flow several times on the podcast before. So, but, like, that instant feedback of, like, what's working and what's not is, like, Mm. a great way to get into a flow state. Yeah, and so with failing faster, it's the idea of closing the loop to try and fail, figure out what's working and what isn't, and then try again and to just do it over and over again. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the clay pots. And we've shared this analogy on the podcast before. Yeah, I think we have. And this is just the little story where it's like you have a uh, pottery class and you divide it into two groups. And one part of the class is told that their grade is going to be based on the weight of the pieces that they produce. Um, and the other group is based on the quality of the pieces that they produce. And at the end of the day, the students who were uh, judged off of weight did better, um, not just because they made more pieces, but because their pieces ended up being better than mm-hmm. the than the the students who were working who were trying to have the highest quality for each piece. Yes, because thing. practice makes progress, mm-hmm. if not perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you fail faster when you're writing? The first idea is pretty obvious, and it's just to write more. But then you can break that writing down into, like, different categories. Mm -hmm. So short stories are a great way to, like, study things in miniature. We've done an episode on that before. Yeah. You should go check that out. Um, You can do short stories. You can do poetry. You can do just simple novel chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, NaNoWriMo is a good example of failing faster, where Mm -hmm. you just try and blast through a novel manuscript in a month, or at least as far as you can get into a manuscript novel. Yeah, 50,000 words is the standard for mm-hmm. NaNoWriMo, but some people get way more, some people get way less, and that's okay. And some people get to 50,000 words and go, mm, I think I'm about halfway done. That was me last <laughs> year. I was like, I have 50,000 words. I'm like maybe halfway through my story. It's going to be 100,000 words. Let's go. Let's go. I think a key part of uh, failing faster is making sure that you get feedback and that you get the feedback fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. I know for me, getting feedback excites me um, yeah. and it makes me feel like more of a writer. Um, and some and some people don't like getting feedback on early drafts because there's so much of that is going to be changed. And if mm-hmm. that's, you know, if that's you, totally fine. Everybody has their own process and their own preferences. Um, but for people like me who don't mind getting feedback on first drafts, um, it's really important that when you're asking for feedback, you go for the high-level stuff rather than the minutia, mm-hmm. um, which we've talked about before. We're kind of yeah. retreading similar ground just in the context of of learning quickly. Yes, exactly. 
I just the other day I was in my creative writing capstone class, which is a fantastic class. I'm so excited for it. But we did like we each had to write a first chapter of a novel, and then we did like workshops. And I've never done a workshop for like a first chapter of a novel, and I had to like, come with questions mm-hmm. and like. I was, like, reading through my first chapter. I'm like, well, this isn't very good. It's a first draft. And I was like, I could ask them to, like, correct me on, like, grammatical stuff. Or I could ask them to correct me on, like, hey, how's my character voice turning out? Like, do you like this third-person omniscient narrator who's just kind of, like, Mm -hmm. a storyteller? Because it's a fairy tale retelling, as I love to do. So, yeah, you want to go for the higher-level stuff rather than the low-level stuff. Because often you can fix the low-level stuff pretty easily by yourself. But if the high-level concept stuff isn't working, then it's going to be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that you can do when you're talking about failing faster is uh, just trying out new forms, genres, um, things that you might not be uh, as comfortable with. You mentioned omniscient. I don't think I've ever, ever written an omniscient point of view I before. haven't either. It's kind of hard. Yeah, because it's like... Uh, what do I do? How do I? You're like, like in everybody's heads at once. Yeah, I was always th- I always thought like don't head hop and I'm like head hop and ah it doesn't work. Yeah, it's a little bit stressful, but my but the feedback was they really liked it because it's like a fairy tale. So we have like this omniscient narrator who's like, yes, the chosen one whose name is Aurora. Aurora led the charge as chosen ones are wont to do. Oh, that's great. And yeah, that, it was really fun. So good. Yeah. Um, you can also apply this to like ways that you structure your story, like epistolary narratives or nonlinear narratives, other things like that. Where yeah. It's like, Let's define epistolary real quick. Yes. I know I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. Epistolary is when you write your novel in like letters or memos or even like sticky notes or texts. Like yep. as we get into like the digital age, we see. I feel like we see lots of more epistolary novels that have mm-hmm. like interesting stuff. I saw a book at the library once, and it was a book comprised of lists. Mm. And I didn't check it out, and now I can't find it again. Oh, oh, no. Oh, I hate it when that happens. I remember where it was on the shelf in my library back home in San Jose, California. But <laughs> cannot tell you what the name of the novel was. I might be able to Google it. It seems unique enough. But, yeah, that's an epistolary novel. Yeah, some good examples are, like, uh, Dracula is in mm-hmm. epistolary format, or the Illuminae Files are also yes. epistolary. Illuminae Files are so good. And nonlinear narratives are where the story is taking place over different chunks of time that aren't sequential. And it's not the same thing as doing, like, flashback mm-hmm. kind of thing because that's just two linear narratives that are kind of interse- yeah. interspersed with each other. Nonlinear is like, okay, this is event one in the timeline, but it's the next-to-last event in the in the book, and then the last event in the book is at the very end of the timeline, and we just kind of, like... Yeah. Twist around like spaghetti. For the, those of you who don't have the video, the non-existent video feed, I'm waving my hands around to imitate spaghetti. <laughs> nice. Uh, then you also have an anecdote about Stephen King's rejection letters. I think I know the same one. Yeah. If you've read On Writing by Stephen King, it's it's in there, and I think yeah. a lot of people are familiar with it. But I love this image of it, thinking of failures as stepstones for growth, where when Stephen King first started writing, he would print out his rejection letters and, like, hold on to them. He had, like, a big spike on his desk that he would put them on. That's so fun. I want a big spike. I want a big spike, too. I don't have one. I just... I, I you I throw them to... into like an email folder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. A, you know, equivalent thing. But yeah. just 
that idea of embracing failure as part of the process and moving forward with it rather than fearing it, I think is really admirable. Yeah. I actually have a personal story about this. I just started querying witch's blood at the start of the year or rather mm. the end of last year. And I got my first rejection letter, Woo! which is, like, so exciting to me. And I, like, tell this, like, non-writers, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, I'm telling you this as, like, I'm celebrating. And I will say, don't be sad about this. I got my first rejection letter. And they're like, oh, but that's so sad. I'm like, it's not sad. It's exciting. Someone in the industry is, like, reading my work. Yep. And even if they didn't like it, like, maybe they liked it, but they just wasn't a good fan what they weren't wasn't what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Like... Whether it's in querying or writing or whatever, whatever else, whatever artistic endeavors you may be a part of, like, failing faster is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.